Good morning again. It really is good to see you. I always enjoy uh, being here and worshiping in God's house right here. And I hope you all feel that way. And if you're, if you're sitting at home wondering and maybe you're just checking us out for the first time, um, let me just tell you, this is one wonderful place to be. And so we, we're in the midst of this series where we talk about life together. And what does it mean uh, to live life together as a Christian community? We have talked about all different kinds of aspects of that. And uh, today we're getting uh, to a text about Jesus calling the disciples. And what does it mean to be called as a follower of Jesus Christ? And, and I think most of us, uh, most of us actually uh, kind of are, are aware that, that we live in a time when people are somewhat obsessed with identity. It has become almost like, like a mantra kind of thing that there's just this love affair with all these kinds of systems that are trying to kind of uh, tell us who we are, whether you're Enneagram or you're doing you know, Myers-Briggs or you're figuring out whether you're a lion or an otter or whatever. I mean, all these kinds of uh, programs that, that we're trying to find. I spoke to one not too long ago who told me, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I kept taking that test over and over, and I kind of tweaked the answers every time until I got the number that I wanted. <laughs> so now I know who I am. Uh, yeah, really. Um, it used to be somewhat in a different thing. We, we've all kind of known that there are people, and we are recognized not what we can figure out on the test, but what is so clear in our lives, and other people recognize that. Who, who, who does not... No, when we meet some person and we just say, she's just born to be a school teacher. Yes? We just know that intuitively, right? He, you know, she's like the born politician. It's like oozes out whatever, or, or the born kind of Sunday school teacher or, or just, uh, you know, a God-given preacher. Uh, people recognizing that there's something that happens. There are even some that, that would say that, you know, I went through all these things. Now I know exactly this is why I'm placed on this earth. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we have found this thing. And, and what happens when we experience those kinds of things? What, what is it when we... When we're trying to recognize that this is not like just a job, but this is not just this, there's something goes far beyond that. It's like a calling. We don't use that word too much anymore. It seems somewhat solemn. Uh, and yet, sometimes those are the only words that can really capture this. Call has to do with purpose. It's not vocation, really. 
You know, your vocation can change if someone becomes a Christian, have hear this call from Christ in their life. It's not a different call if there's nurses or engineers or, or, or bricklayers or plumbers or, or whatever it might be. The call is the same. Vocation is different. It may change. It has changed in my life. I used to be an engineer and God called me to, to preach and then, then I became a professor and now I'm a little bit of both. And, and, and the calling stayed. Vocation may have changed. When God calls, or even when we just sense this overarching kind of thing on our life that defines who we're supposed to be, it is a summons of God. And God call, God's word, of course, talks to us about that. God's people, Israel, was called by God. The prophets were called in the New Testament. All followers of Jesus are called. They're somewhat appointed, if you will, chosen to a specific purpose. Well, what does that mean? We live in 2023 in the northern suburb of Dallas. What does it mean to be called? I want us to pay attention to this text that we read. And when I'm done reading, I know everybody's going to think, what in the world is going to say about that? We're reading from Luke 6. It's kind of where we got to last time. And, and think of this under the heading, life together in a sense. Called to be followers of Jesus. During those days, is verse 12 in Luke 6. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And he spent all night in prayer to God. And when daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, and John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, John, uh, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Friends, I think most of us, as we have read scriptures, and, and most of us here probably have done that uh, for years and years, we have some kind of strange sense that, uh, that when Jesus called his disciples, uh, it happened in a very specific way. We read different places where he just came and he said, follow me, and they drop everything and follow him. And so it was like suddenly one day they never even known anything, and then all of a sudden they just, okay, whatever, and they, they just follow him. That's probably not how it happened. Probably not. There can be little doubt at all that, that rumors had preceded Jesus and kind of spread everywhere in that region. People had, had heard about him. They heard stories about him. They may even have seen some miracles, whether they stood right there when it happened or they were kind of further behind and trying to look over. They're crawling up in, in, in trees or whatever. They knew something about Jesus. And they recognized here was something special. Here was something important. Something that was far more important than just the everyday stuff that I do, whether it's my job or, or whatever I'm doing. This was more important. So then one day, 
at a point where they had not necessarily planted themselves, the call came to them so strongly, they followed me. And they were ready. And they did. And I think in, in principle, friends, that's probably how most of us have ever experienced that. Begin by recognizing who he is. And then we realize here's something more important than me. More important than all the stuff that I can make up doing. I need to let my life be defined by that. That's what we see. When Jesus calls and we follow, everything changes. We may not change our jobs to move from what I, in my life, what I was called from engineering to pastoring or from engineering school to seminary, all that. That may not be the reality, but the purpose changes. Where we might have a certain purpose, I may have taken this education because I thought that would really promote me in the world. It will give me chances to be the best ever. Or I have this job because it provides in a very significant way for what I can do and, and all these kinds of things. But purpose is me. And all of a sudden, the call of Jesus comes and purpose is different. I look at everything differently. Whatever I'm doing, whatever education I have, whatever job I have, it's for the opportunity to be his disciple. That I could be the nurse who is a Christian, the engineer who is a Christian, the one who can share his testimony through the way I do plumbing or whatever that might be. Focus has changed. He is creating a new community. And friends, that's what we speak about when we speak about church, life together. Make no mistake, he called 12 disciples for a very specific reason. There were 12 tribes of Israel. God's people consisted of 12 tribes. They were all related going back to Abraham. So biologically, ethnically, they all belong to the same family. And Jesus says, I will have 12 disciples to say God has a people. They are not connected biologically like that, but through the same testimony. And what is that testimony? Jesus asked Peter and he said, Peter, who do people say that I am? And he came up with all kinds of of explanations. But who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, on that rock, that testimony, I will build my church. God has called. And I trust and hope, friends, that that is your experience. And if it's not, we would want you to not leave this building until you talk to some of us about this. Everything changes from that. Call is somewhat of a strange word in in a modern society. For some, it may be somewhat distant. But let me ask you a question. What do we mean when we say that? Have you thought through that? Just think about it for a little bit. If you go to the Old Testament, you will see that 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 whole subject of being called is wrapped in in this sense of, of covenant relationship that the people had 
with God. Everything about that is that God has desired to have fellowship with his people and he had given them a common call, a purpose, so to speak, that they had together. And that was to make God's name known everywhere. That was the point. Their identity was changed by who they belonged to. That was the whole point here. Isaiah puts it like this. He said, you are to be a light unto the nations. How are the nations supposed to ever know? How is your neighbor supposed to ever know that there is a God and his name is Jesus? And you'll find the full expression of the almighty creator of all things by looking at Jesus Christ. That's the point. And that is the foundation, friend, that common call that he laid upon the people of Israel first, God's people, and then expanded here with the church. First call we have in Scripture, friends, uh, comes from, you know, with with Abraham. We we see that after the fall, things are going bad in, in a very serious way. And God calls Abraham to leave his country and go to a new place that he did not know. And why? What's the purpose? God says to be a blessing. That is to bring God's presence, to change the effects of the fall, to let people know that there is a God that they have all forgotten the fall that put a stop to that testimony. And so he became the father of faith. And I think, friends, that's a, almost a, like a typology. It's an example, if you will. That, that just like it runs and you see that in second and generation from Abraham to the son and to his son and so on, it will flow. The same is true with us as we share our faith. I heard someone say one time, you know, we, we do so much. We're so, so eager to have, have something that we could give to our kids. Well, we're no longer, but it's never what you leave to your kids. It's always what you leave in your kid that matters. The call is renewed. It came to Abraham several times as the thing seemed to to not happen. And then it came again to, to Isaac where God says, I will confirm the call that I gave your father Abraham because Abraham obeyed my words and kept my commandments. And to renew it again to, to Jacob, his son, and said, in your seed or through your seed, all the generations of the earth will be blessed. God renews his purpose. They continue from generation to generation, the same call, same purpose. Let people know. That's the calling that we can't get rid of. Moses later on, if you don't know that, you can look, uh, and not everybody knows the story. If you look in Exodus chapter 3, that's the second book in the Old Testament, and you see Moses here at the burning bush. And it begins like this. He says, God meets with Abraham and he says, uh, God meets with Moses and he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob. Go and get my people out of captivity. Again, the same call to be God's vehicle, if you will, a God's tool. You think, well, that's back in the day. It has to do with Egypt. It is so true today as well, is it not? We are stuck in our patterns. We are held captive by all the same old demons are holding so many people kind of captives, if you will. You, you, in our patterns, in our upbringing, in our realities, we are held captives. And God says, go and get my people out of captivity. And then he goes on even to the one who follows Moses. Joshua said, be strong and courageous. For you shall lead this people into the land that I promised your forefathers. Can I give a snapshot lesson on leadership, friends? Leaders of people always point to a new land. We're getting this. Leaders of people always point to a new land. There are some that are excited. They want to follow immediately. Yes, let's go. And then there are some that are more hesitant and they kind of want to stay. We like it here where we are. And some are kind of losing their joy. And from being in the front ranks, they somewhat fall back and, and, and does not participate just as much anymore. And some are just flat grumbling. But leaders of people continue to point to the new land. That's what we see again and again. One of the texts I love as much as anything is as we're just talking about leaders and all these things here. Look at a very kind of intriguing uh, detail in, uh, in Exodus chapter Chapter 35. We often just talk about leaders, but I want you to see this. This is about the people. And Moses said here, let everyone, everyone whose heart is willing bring his, uh, bring this to the Lord's offering. Let every skilled artisan among you come and make uh, everything that the Lord has commanded. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted uh, him to came, uh, and his spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord everyone it's repeated again and again there's so many everyone's in this chapter both men and women came all who had willing hearts brought what they had every skilled woman spun yarn with her hand and brought it and all the women whose hearts were moved spun So that the Israelites brought a free will offering to the Lord. All men, all women whose hearts were prompted brought something for the work of the Lord. Is that not a majestic text? Okay, four of you think so. This is an amazing, amazing text, right? We're an example of people who belong to the Lord, who has not sensed a very specific call to something very specific. They still had this deep-felt desire to bring what they had to the Lord. There's a call 
that have convinced them that when everything was said and done, their life's success or their life's significance, if you will, depended upon God's grace and his blessings. It was exactly like we see in, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 127, when it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders work in vain. I, I have to admit, there have been times in my own house, so to speak, when I just got busy and I thought, I'm going to build my house. We're going to have the right kind of family, the right kind of this, the right kind of that, the right kind of all these things. And it's a good reminder, unless the Lord builds the house. Don't get so busy that there's no time to make him the center. That's what life together as Christians, that's what calling is all about. We can go on with the example, friends. I, I think you in your own mind can apply this. I thought maybe I should apply with examples, but I think we all can. How does this relate to me? The calling comes with the people we just saw. All the prophets are speaking to that. Whether it's, it's an Isaiah that says, I'm here, call me. Or, or Jeremiah who at first said, I hate they I was born. And then he saw that God's call had been on him even from his mother's womb. And, and he changed everything. Or was a small little child uh, called, called Samuel who ran around in the church, so to speak, or in the temple. And he heard the voice of God. God's call comes to different people at different times. But it comes if you will listen. I hope you will. Then in the New Testament, there's a new dimension that is added. The call is directly not just to the few, but to the many, indeed to all. The content is always discipleship and ministry and community. That's the content. The language is plentiful. There are so many ways that it's coming. It's called to fellowship with Christ, a call to follow Christ, a call to find peace with Christ, a call to have new hope, a call to have freedom, eternal life. Same call, just different aspects. When you look, it's like when you look into a diamond and you turn it just a little bit and you see a new depth and new color. Same diamond. It's just turned and you see new things. He's the one who calls you, friends. Don't. Don't overhear it. Listen. Will you do that? Let me round up by saying something like this, right? So a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you keep talking about these biblical characters. I understand the biblical characters. You know, they're all that. But I'm no Simon Peter. I'm not John, the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm just me. Regular old me. And I struggle with life even as it is. Let's say this to you. Look at the motley crew that Jesus called. Every last one of us could feel good in that company. There's a Simon, and there's an Andrew. Both were fishermen. One was rough, unpolished. He spoke up when he should have shut up. He was there all the time. And then you have a quiet, doesn't speak much, holding himself back. Andrew, 
They were both there. Then he got a James and a John. Again, they were fishermen, but, but they were, they were, ah, let's put it nicely. They had an aggressive te- temperament, right? So they were out talking to people and trying to tell them about the kingdom and they wouldn't listen. And so they come to Jesus and say, would you call down fire and brimstone on them and just take them out? And then at another time, like ambition had run amok, they come and say, when you come to your, to your, to your kingdom, could you give us a seat at the left and the right hand of the throne? I'm trying to think if I'd heard Jesus, if I'd been Jesus, heard it. are you kidding? Are you listening to yourself? Well, how would the, all the other disciples have responded when they heard that? But they were there. Then there's a Matthew and, and a, you know, zealot. That is a traitor, so to speak. Someone that everybody hated. Someone who was working for the enemy. Someone who, who was taking their money uh, in a way that was, not, that was not right. Someone who just in every way was despised. And if there's anyone that truly despised them, it would be the zealots who were the, the opposition. Who were these freedom fighters inside. They hated not only the occupiers but certainly those who work for them, who should have been some of them. But Simon and Matthew sat side by side, life together. Then you have Philip and you got, you got Judas. Uh, they were a little bit dense. You know, some people are dense. They're not quite getting it, right? So, so Jesus did talk to them about, about knowing the Father when they knew him. And, and Philip says, show me the Father. You know, like a good teacher, Jesus should have said, did you not hear what I just said? No, that's not what you should have said. And, and the same is true with, 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 with Judas. Just dense. It's like Jesus just explained it, and then they come back and ask the exact same question. That, you know, some people don't get it the first time. But they were there. Then you get Bartholomew and Nathaniel, as he's also uh, called, and Thomas, right? They were skeptical. When someone came to Nathaniel and said, hey, come, we have found the one that the prophet talks about. And he said, anything good from Nazareth? I think not. And then Thomas, of course, we know that I'm not going to believe anything until I touch the scars in his hand and in his side. Just skeptics. And then you got Judas Iscariot and James the Little. Both are remembered for not so good things. Here it even says Judas Iscariot, the one who became the traitor. James is called the Little. Some of your translations are kind. It says James the Younger. You know, nobody want to be called James the Little, but they are both there. Are you seeing what's going on here? Jesus put them together. There's not one that that we could not fit into someplace. This is not a crew of, of genius. It's never a question of who you are. It's always a question of who you desire to be. If you will let the call of Jesus shape your life. He saw in those 12 
what they could not see in themselves, but what he also sees in you. I want you to be my disciple. I want you to be defined by who I am. I want you to be the one who brings blessings, not only to your own life, but to other people's lives. I got to stop. But there's so much in this text, friends. If you come home, go to Bible study group, look at how it all began. He went to the mountain to pray. And he spent all his time there. Whole day praying. That's the beginning of all things right there. Jesus' ministry began there. It was while he was praying, he got out of the waters and the Holy Spirit came. Before they were, I mean, right in front of conflicts coming up, it talks about Jesus that he, that he prayed. Just go a chapter further, right? As he takes his disciples to the mountain to pray. You see that at the very end of his life when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed. Friends, we're going to gather around the Lord's table, all of us, in just a short moment. Would you do yourself, your friends, your family, your neighborhood, this world indeed a favor and consider what does it mean when I say I'm a Christian? It can't be name only, right? It has to be who I am. It's a calling. It goes far beyond certain things that I do. We spend some time doing that. As we do with the Lord's Supper. Some of you may want to just come up here and kneel. Some of you may want to say, hey, I need to give my life to Christ. I, I'm not really sure that I have or that I even understand what he's saying. Some of you may want to say, hey, I've gotten in that humdrum thing where I'm building my own house. Whatever God is speaking, you want to join. I know we have several people who are here for the first time. Some of you have been a few times. God speaks to you. We'd love to pray with you, whatever it is. Let's stand, friends. We're going to sing a song, and then we're all going to gather around the Lord's table. And I invite the deacons to come forward also with this. Father, bless us as we pray each here. Give the boldness to stand out, to just come to you and say, Lord, I heard your call. I must respond. Do your work right now, Lord.